0: Unless it's dangerous, and we won't. But connection has a lot of things going on in that worship hand. And also, there's, there's this thing in there, and it's called First Step. It's on the bottom. If you open all the way up, it's right here on the bottom right side. It says, would you like to learn more about connection? This is, this is how connection people become members of connection. Now, in connection, we vote on the hiring and firing of a pastor and the purchase of property. That's what a member gets to vote on. But in here, to be a member of a church... Of this church says, first step is a discovery time to understand what it means to be a member of Connection. We're going to go through, this is is how you dig into Connection's DNA. You can come with no obligations just to say, hey, I want to find out more about this church. I want to find out more about what's going on. I'm going to teach that class February 8th in the afternoon at the home of Jeff and Debbie Staley. Most people have a GPS or a phone. You can click it in. You go up north on toll road and there's a couple more directions besides that. But it's very easy to get to. First step is happening. And I have to remember we're we're on our second sermon of this series. I could say Happy New Year again because every day you should you could wake up and say Happy New Year to yourself. You could, every day, every day. Because the God that I serve and the God that we honor and serve and sing to at connection says that every day I can make your life brand new. Every day. Every day I can give you a clean slate. Every my grace is sufficient. My blood, the blood of my son was big enough. We're going to study something today that I'm going to tell you right now is not easy to preach. It's not easy to read. It's not even, to, it's, it's not even easy to say to you. It's hard. It's difficult. but Because we're going to find ourselves looking in a mirror today, and we're sometimes not going to see what we want to see come out of that mirror. Then, Matt, why don't we just skip it? Man, that would be easy, wouldn't it? Why don't we just skip it? In the sermon series, here's to new beginnings and here's to breaking free. This is the second sermon. Before we get into this, before we dive into God's Word, I want to I pray. I want to pray for us, for our hearts, for our minds. If you would, just bow with me. God, we thank you so much for today. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. That you taught me a lesson this week. And to be, to be thankful for simple things. God, I thank you for heat. I thank you for a, a parking lot that's not in mud that we can drive up and we have the painted spaces we can pull in. I'm thankful for people that extend their, their heart of thanks as we walk in and, we, and we're handed a worship handout. I'm thankful for people that fix coffee and clean bathrooms and sweep floors. I'm thankful for people that decided not to push their snooze button too many times so they could make it here. God, this morning we're going to dive into something that you know is hard. You know, You know, as I've talked to you this week, how hard it is for me. God, so I just ask that we just be transparent with each other this morning, God, that you just show yourself brand new to these people and to me this morning as we look in your word. In your name we pray, amen. Last week, we started off, boom, new year, boom, new year, here's to new beginnings and here's to breaking free. Again, that song right before the worship happened, here's to new beginnings, here's to breaking free. And we talked about Nicodemus last week, didn't we? John chapter 3, we talked about Nicodemus. And I talked to you about Nicodemus getting a bad rap. Because a lot of people want to, want to talk about Nicodemus. Oh, you know, they, they, they coined the term "nick at night. He came to Jesus at night because he was scared of what everybody would say if they saw a Pharisee and a member of the Sanhedrin of the utmost priority going to Jesus. But we see, we understand. One thing I didn't cover that I'll, t- I'll cover with you this morning is in chapter 3 we see Nicodemus go, because I said this, Nicodemus sought to have a new beginning. Nicodemus knew the Old Testament, he knew the law, he was a teacher of the law. He knew it. But when he goes to Jesus, he uses one word that makes us know that he understood partially, if not completely, partially, who Jesus was. When he out of his mouth comes the word Rabbi. He calls Jesus Rabbi, meaning teacher, meaning you, you should teach me. You are higher than me. And we're not told in Scripture that that day that Nicodemus made a choice to choose Jesus. But I find it really cool as I looked, as I looked and, uh, and I studied more and I bounced around with some study stuff this week. And I found in John chapter 19, after Jesus is crucified, after he's, after he's died on the cross, Joseph of Arimathea comes and begs for the body of Jesus. Guess who's with him? Nicodemus. See, he wanted the new beginning. And whether it was that day or the day after, and, we're, and you know, that, that span of time is not exactly, exactly known. But Nicodemus, I think, in my opinion and reading Scripture, I think that Nicodemus obviously wouldn't show up unless he cared. Instead, he brought stuff to anoint the body with Jesus. You're not going to do that for somebody that you don't like or trust. And Nicodemus sought a new beginning, and he was seeking to break free. My question this morning is kind of sharp. What do you need to break free of? What hurts you? What's keeping you from that relationship with God that God seeks to have with us? See, we we see all the time new things come up in the world. Oh, buy this new car, 0%, you don't have to pay any, you know, any interest for 72 months. It's good, it's new, it's better, it's new, it's new, it's better, it's new, it's new, it's better. And the new car smell sometimes wears off. And we're left with an article of purchase that goes down in value. See, when God gives a new beginning, (laughs) the new car smell doesn't have to go away. We We choose that way. If you have your Bibles with me, we're going to be in John chapter 4 today. John chapter four. We talked about Nicodemus last week. Listen, I can't get over him. Just I want you to understand this. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Back up. Back up. Back up. Back up. Back up. There we go. They'll they'll read the screen. They won't pay attention to me. Okay. Now, I'm not joking. I teach. I know this. Now. Now, last week we talked about Nicodemus. Nicodemus sought truth. Now, credentially, I told you that Nicodemus could pull out his wallet and go, "Oh, I'm a member of the Sanhedrin." Thank you. Oh, I'm I'm a Pharisee. I'm a teacher of the religious law. Credentially, he was good. He was good. He was a teacher of the law. He knew exactly Old Testament wise how to follow God to inherit the kingdom of heaven. He knew that. But then it all changed with Jesus. It all changed with Jesus. So we look today in chapter four. At the other end of the spectrum. Not yet. (laughs) Thank you. I really appreciate them I do they they work they work really hard and the only time anybody ever says anything is if they do something that's not right you guys do a great job you keep doing what you're doing but this today we're going to look at the other end of the spectrum Nicodemus was a good guy he says hey I've got all the qualities that you would see in a leader I'm the man we're going to look today to coin a frame to coin a phrase we're going to look from over here and we're going to look in the bottom of the bucket Now, the woman herself is not in the bottom of the bucket, but everybody else thinks that's where she belongs. That's where she belongs, is what everybody thinks. Now, listen new beginnings to Nicodemus quite possibly could mean new beginnings if Jesus is who he says he is to the same woman. Today, we're going to look at something that's not comfortable for us. We're going to look at the desperate. Now, family, some of you are going to some of you are going to hit home with some of these words. I'm going to deal today. When we're going to talk about you can you can relate because you know what desperation is. You know what it's like to be lonely. You know what it's like to be hurt. You know what it's like to be pained. You know what it's like to suffer. You know what it's like to not feel good inside about things that are happening in your life. Maybe you have addiction. You have hurts. You have trials. Bad relationships. You feel sometimes like you're in the bottom of the bucket. Like you don't matter. My dad is a pastor in Crossville, Illinois. I have two daughters, six and three. I have two twin nieces that are two. Four girls. And Unless God has a sense of humor, it'll stay four girls. But my dad... When Emma was first born, Emma's six. When Emma was first born, and he does it with Lydia, he does it with Addie, and he does it with Gracie. And he takes these girls and he puts them on his lap, and he puts them in his arm, and he holds them really close. And he tells us, he tells them two words that Jesus Christ wants to tell you today when you think that you're in the bottom of the bucket. He looks at my girls, he looks at my sister's girls, and he says, You're special. You're special. Today, some of you need to hear you're special. Some of you need to hear you're loved. Sometimes we don't hear it enough, do we? Man, that person just... They just tell me one thing. They just encourage me somehow. Not only was this woman an outcast, people didn't even want to be around her. Not because of arguments, but because they they thought they were so much better than she was. You're in the bottom of the bucket. We're over here. We listen to the teachers. By the choices you've made, you've dug your own grave, is what they say. She had made bad choices. And according to these people, she had been defined by her past. You make bad choices. Well, we don't ever see see how self righteous this is. We've never done anything wrong. Bottom of the bucket. We can learn that new beginnings can really happen. We can learn today that breaking free can really happen. Some of you, some of you think, "Man, Matt, this is such a cool concept," but there's no way it can happen in my life. There's no way it can happen in my life. Just wait. If I ask you if you'd even be interested in that, some of you would just overwhelmingly hit the yes button. Yes, yes, yes. I want a new beginning, but I don't think it's possible. Let's look at what the Bible says in John chapter 4. <laughs> I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It's just a little bit different. If you have an NIV or a King James Version or a New King James Version, it's just a little bit easier to understand when we read. Okay? Here we go. Verse 1. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. How did Jesus know? The Pharisees knew. Nicodemus came to him. He said, "Sir, <laughs> Rabbi, you're raising a little bit of uh, flag here." He knew. Jesus knew people were asking questions, and I like this. This is this is this is this is what I like. Sometimes I don't like it when He talks to me about my life, but Jesus and God's Word don't really pull a whole lot of punches. They don't candy coat stuff. A lot of times I'm in my prayer life, God says, I say, God, I'm struggling with this. <laughs> so stop. I had the power over this. You stop. See, we don't like to hear that. We would much rather hear candy coat, candy coat. Jesus didn't pull punches. He told them exactly who He was. Now, that's the problem. They would ask Jesus who he was, and he would say, oh, I'm the son of God. <laughs> Remember that small pond that's completely still? You throw the center block in the middle of it. Every part of that pond's affected with waves, ripples. When Jesus said that, it just causes ripples. Verse 2, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. Verse 3 says this. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Now, Jesus was growing in popularity. He was gaining followers. Okay? He was gaining followers. He was becoming bigger. Entourage. He had a, he had a posse. Okay? Jesus, Jesus was, you might as well say he would, he would be the, the biggest, picture the biggest person, like the biggest name person. I was, we, were talk, we were talking about this this week. And we had to think about the, the, most, the most famous celebrity that we've ever seen personally with our eyes. Mine would probably be Billy Graham. But if you go to a secular world, the biggest name person that I've ever seen, and I, my wife and I were on our way to Japan, we saw him in the airport. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and that dude is huge. Jesus... Might as well have been this person. See, Hulk Hogan has passed his prime and his fame, and Mary and I were walking through the airport, and he was in this other little security. You know, you have to walk through security in an airport, and you have to like, get everything under your belt, and you do your shoes. And Hulk Hogan, he does this. Hey, guys, what's up? And he walks through. <laughs> he's like at this special passage through. But even now, he's considered to be famous. He's considered to be big. If Hulk Hogan would come to Mount Vernon, there would be people show up. If I told people next week, hey, Hulk Hogan's going to be here, we'd pack the place. Jesus had been gaining in popularity. In verse 3, it says that, that Jesus left Judea. He was beginning his ministry. Jesus had heard that people didn't like what he was doing. He didn't tweet it, he didn't post it, he didn't text it, he didn't call anybody about it. He left. What a concept! He didn't have to open his mouth. We're so quick. We're so quick in a digital age. I Man, the book of James talks about how fast our tongue is. I like to translate that from the original and how fast our hands are today. <laughs> you can voice the text. He didn't post it. He didn't tweet it. Jesus went to somebody that was going to listen. Look at John 4, 4, 4 verse 4. He had to go through Samaria on the way. (laughs) Now, I want to describe this in a way that you get it. We have Cardinals fans, we have Cubs fans, probably. That probably makes up the majority of us in here. We don't need to go into a vote. We're not about divisiveness here at Connection. But I can tell you what this is. He had to go through Samaria. In 1998, my dad got me and him tickets to go to Wrigley Field. So I wore my McGuire shirt. But the Cubs weren't even playing the Cardinals. (laughs) I was like, it was, I I think I understand what it's like to walk through and get this. But Jesus went to Samaria. Now, Samaria is not a place where a Jew would even walk through. Oftentimes, if they're going from one place to another, they would walk around Samaria. They don't even want to go in it. They don't like the people in it. That's another sermon. They don't like the people in it because they're a mixed race. They don't like the people because they're considered inbred. They don't like the people because they're considered dirty and bottom of the bucket. Because the Jews, listen, the Jews had an upright thinking of themselves. They were God's people. God had taken care of them. Sometimes we have to be careful about the way that we think about ourselves. These people in Samaria were considered worthless. And this word that, that, that came up in my study last week and this week, and I, don't, I do not like it because I had to put myself in the category. And if you're human, you also have to join me. But in the video, this lady quoted something out of the song Amazing Grace, and she said, to save a wretch like me. In the original version, it wasn't wretch, it was Worm. You can take everything good that you can do in your life and do this. And the book, in in, in the New Testament, Paul says, it's still like filthy rags. We have to have God. Our best attempt falls so short. Some people think that Jesus walked through Samaria simply because it was, you know, you get to point A to point B, straight line. But the majority of people think I think this way. I think that he went to Samaria completely on purpose. Intentional. Look at verse 5. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. There's Jewish roots here. It's a big deal. Verse 6. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus was tired from the long walk Sat wearily beside the well about noontime. (laughs) (sighs) Sat wearily beside the well about noontime. This This caused things to run through my head. In this part of the world, the temperature controls when you draw water. And when it's, com- when it's comfortable to do so, in the morning or in the evening, you want to avoid the middle of the day because, I don't know, it's a desert. It's hot. The sun would be beating down top of, top of the sky. Why did Jesus sit down there at noon? Who would come and try to draw water in the middle of the day? A guy like Nicodemus? No. Watch. No. Jesus knew that the people that would come and draw water in the middle of the day were the people that may not have the best reputation. They didn't want to be around other people. They felt the pressure to be around other people. Oh, wait a minute. We've talked about them already. It's the people that think they're in the bottom of the bucket. They may be trying to avoid others, as we can see in the next verse. Look at verse 7. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink For him to sit beside her. For him to look at her. For him to be at the same well at the same time as her. Let alone him ask her something. Let alone ask her for a drink. The Son of God who was sinless asks the wretch a drink. This tells me. This tells me something. For Jesus to even talk to this woman. Was not acceptable for some people. You understand that in today's world. You want to you live and love like Jesus. And you find somebody somebody that may not be. Man they may not smell the best. They may not dress the best. They may not do this. They, might not, they may not be socially acceptable. And you find yourself. Going this way, you're going to get some looks. Jews did not, did not, did not want anything to do with these people. Nothing. They were considered, listen, in all translations, the people of Samaria were considered to be less important than the Jews. Less important. Look, they were grading people. We're the A's. Oh, verse 8. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Jesus was weary. He says he sat down by the, by the, by the well. I think it was completely on purpose. If you have your worship handout inside, if you open it up to the middle, there's some, there's some blanks. You can fill these in. They're going to be on the screen. You can fill them in. All the scripture references that we use are, are usually on there. If you look at it during the week, if you can underline something in your Bible, we you go back and use this maybe, maybe, maybe. It'll jog your memory God wants to teach you something. But look at it on, on the screen. What does God ask you to do? We'll go back to 7 and 8 in a minute. What does God ask you to do? Does it seem impossible to you? Do you feel like you can do what He has asked you to do? Now let's, look, let's, look, let's go back. Can you flip back to verse 7? Now watch. Do you think she could? She felt like she could give him a drink. By his dress, by his attire, by his by his look, she would have understood this guy's. A, this guy's a Jew. Can you do? Has God asked you something? See, this woman. This woman was three things. Three things. She was a Samaritan. It should have ended there. She was a Samaritan. Bottom of the bucket. Number two, she was known to be a person living in sin. We'll find that out later. She was a person that was living in sin. And number three, she was in public. There would not be any good Jew that would talk to a woman in the circumstances. And the worship handout says this. Go to the next one. Go to the next screen, please. There you go. What has God asked you to do? See, we often are, we have to understand that the person that was sitting at the well that day was not only the woman, it was you and me. It was you and me. Paul says the best stuff that you can do is considered to be filthy rags to God. And oftentimes we want to step back. Well, I'm so much better than them. And oftentimes, sometimes God comes to us and he says, hey, hey, you remember how I gave you that new beginning? You remember how I, I, I taught you to, to overcome this? And, and through my scripture and through my power and through my word, you, you studied and you overcome this addiction. I want you to help this person. You might as well have been asked to give Jesus Christ a drink if you were a Samaritan woman. It's that hard. Oh, I can't do that. There's no way. Does it seem impossible? Do you feel like you can do what He's asking you? Man, if that thing, if that, thing that God has asked you to do gets you out of this little comfort circle, huh, I'm out. We can't catch vision. God says, I have this for you if, If there are verses all over the New Testament that say this. If something, then. If then. See, these if and then things happen all the time in us. Jesus asked her for a drink. When God asks us to do something, do we immediately respond like this woman? Look what she says in verse 9. Look, look how she responds to this. Look at this. The woman was, was surprised. Yeah, duh. She didn't want to even be around him. Let alone a man talk to her. Let alone a man ask her for a drink. Verse 9, the woman says, the woman was, was surprised, for Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, I like this. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I could give you living water. Throughout the Old Testament. Listen, Jesus is brand new. Jesus is brand new. He is the new release on iTunes. He is the latest download. He is, he is it. He is it. And it, Him, changes Everything from the past. This woman, having a partial Jewish background probably, would have known some of the Scriptures and everything in the Old Testament, we talked about this, points to Jesus. And when He talks about living water, oftentimes in the Old Testament, people could thirst after God like they do for water. In the Old Testament, God is called a fountain. And water in this verse has special meaning. You're in, you're in the, a dry land. Water is a necessity. Not only to grow crops with to eat, but to drink. It was a necessity. Jesus is telling her, I am a necessity to you, and you don't know who I am yet. But look at the way that he speaks to her. If you only knew the gift of God, if you only knew the gift of gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, and he gets her a break, doesn't he? He said, "I know you, you don't, you don't know, and I would give you living water. I would give. Would give is a big deal because I. He says you're important." If you knew who you are talking to and you asked for it, I would give it to you. Because I want to make a difference in your life. I don't care what people say, that you're in the bottom of the bucket. I would give you. <laughs> I would give you. You are special. Look at your worship handout. out. Look at this. Some of you need to underline this. Some of you need to take this home and copy it and blow it up into 500% on your copier. You need to make 17 copies of it and you need to plaster it all all over the house. It says this. Those four words you need to repeat to yourself, you matter to God. I know what it's like to go through this life and not even understand what that means. I didn't matter to myself. Look, His offer is open to anyone waiting Wanting to have a relationship with him. He says this. He says, He says, It's open for Nicodemus in chapter 3. Look at chapter 4. He goes to the bottom of the bucket. Social outcast. A woman living in sin. It, according to other people then, it doesn't get worse than her. But he's showing you. Woman, you matter. Anyone. You. Me. Those who we get along with, those who we don't get along with. The disciples, even this woman, everyone. Look, I love this. This woman, yeah, she's taken by surprise. Yeah, duh, okay. She's talking to Jesus. She doesn't know it yet. When she does find out, it's going to be a little eye-opening. Watch this. Look, what she, look how she answers in verse 11. But sir, she gets literal on him, doesn't she? He said, Jesus just asked, will you give me a drink? Why would you ask someone for a drink? Probably didn't have a rope, didn't have a bucket. They tended to, when they did long journeys, they tended not to carry buckets and ropes with them. That was a joke. Thank you for laughing. Now, (laughs) but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. She's sitting there asking, you're not touching mine. Surely, surely you don't want to touch mine. In the video before, the lady, the the African-American woman in the video said that surely something coming from my hands to give you, you would consider bad. You would, you, you would consider it condemning. She says this, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? She's being literal. Listen, obviously, some of us, some of us don't get jokes like the other ones. That this is, this is something that this lady doesn't get. She was sitting on the side of a well. And Jesus asked her for a drink. She's the only one with the equipment. Who else is he talking to? And she says, Well, this well's very deep. Where are you going to get your living water at? <laughs> Look at verse 12. And besides, she says, Do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? <laughs> Look, Jesus is understanding. Listen, he's gracious, he understands where she's from. We have to remember that these people. Knew what the Old Testament taught. And what Jesus just said is very bold because it goes against everything she's been taught. Maybe in this life you've been taught that you should treat your mate a way that you saw your father treat your mom. If you compare it to what God wants you to honor your wife with, it may be different. The change is a little bit strange, it's hard. If you, my wife, she grew up, and she, she gave money. I've talked to you this before. She gave money to the church, but she didn't understand what it was like to give 10% of her money for church. Let me tell you something. She was, she's a master of numbers. She's intelligent. And when I told her 10%, she went, you've got to be kidding me. I've never done that. Literally, we, we didn't have an argument. We, but we discussed this. She said, she said I don't, this is different. This is different than I've ever seen. That was bold for Jesus to say that. How can you offer, she, he goes on, how can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? The good old days. See this? My grandpa, when he was still living, he liked to talk about the good old days. And I reminded you last week, what do they talk about in the good old days? The good old days. See, it's always better in the past, isn't it? And she thinks, oh no. No, no, no. What Jacob gave us here And how can what you offer is better than his? How? Verse 13, Jesus really quick comes back. Anyone who drinks this water will soon be thirsty again. Anyone who drinks this water will soon be thirsty again. Now he's talking about the water in the bottom of the well. My wife and I, my wife challenged me. It's a good challenge. In the winter, I do not drink enough water at all. Not at all. So, for the next 30 days, and we've done this for several days, for the next 30 days, I'm, I, I've been challenged by my wife, it's kind of like an ego thing now, to drink a gallon of water a day. That's not that hard for me. I'm in, a, I'm in a hot gym all day, I can do that. It's healthy. I don't drink enough water in the, in the summertime or the wintertime. A lot, and A lot of us don't. But it's a challenge, even though, watch this, even though I drink a gallon of water a day, I still am thirsty. I woke up this morning thirsty. I was like, I want some water. I didn't want coffee. This is strange. (laughs) I want some some water. Jesus is saying this or what you do in your life to say, hey, this is going to be a quick fix. I'm going to knock this thirst out for a little bit. It's going to come back without me. It's going to come back. Look at verse 14. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. We eat and drink something every day. 99% of the time, 99% of us, unless we're sick, we eat and drink something every day. When we're hungry, we eat. When we're thirsty, we drink. We do not. We do not deprive our bodies of food and drink if we get hungry or thirsty. But oh, if we're spiritually thirsty, how often do you go to the water fountain of reading God's Word? Oh, that's sharp. We complain, God, please do something in my life. And He says, I've given you the tool to study. I've given you people around you. I'm here. But we give our body food and water and this living water. We neglect to put God's Word into practice in our life. We neglect to look at it. Look at what the woman says. Please sir, give me this water. Exclamation point. Exclamation point. I don't think that she whispered it. Now, it took on a whole new meaning for this woman than it's than than what we're contemplating right here because it says this. This woman says, "Give me this water." Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come up here to get water. She's stuck in literal. She thinks, wow, there's this magic water. It's like smart water. It enhances your IQ or lowers it because it's $1.99 for 16 ounces of water. <laughs> I like smart water. It's okay. Now, then I'll never be thirsty again. This woman is stuck on Jesus has some kind of secret water. He's going to get for me. I'm going to drink. I'll never have to thirst again and watch I'll never have to come here. I'll never have to be in public again. I don't have to go get water. Going to water was two times a day. She would never have to come out and get water. She would never be ridiculed in public again. She would she would just go home and live with her shame and guilt but alone. She tells Jesus that she wants this water, but it's still confused. God ever tell you something and you, and, you, and you just kind of play dumb and think you're still confused? Sometimes we don't get the whole picture. Sometimes he's asking us to be faithful so he can talk to us. If I told you that you could never be thirsty again by having a relationship with God, some of you would not believe me. If I said spiritually in your life today, right now, you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, And you would never be spiritually thirsty again. You might tell me this. It's too hard. My life is too messed up. There's no way that you understand what I have in my life. If I take off my mask in front of you, you're not going to like what you see. We have such a hard time. We have such a hard time. We believe these lies that we've been told forever and ever and ever, and we start to believe them, and they impact our life completely negatively. When God says, "I am here," I want to give you life, and I want... Man, He was bold when He said this. I came. Jesus said, "I came to give you life, not like to sit at home and be all sour all the time." He said, "I gave you to have, give you life and life abundantly." I want you to tell people what I did to you. I want you to tell people how I forgave your sin and set you on a new path. You ever talk to that person 10 years later? That maybe when you knew him 10 years ago, they're like, man, I'm staying away from that person. I had a, I had a buddy in college. We played baseball together. And he was like us. If God was here, he was running there. If God showed up there, he was running that way, like me, like others, like some of us. Saw a picture of him on Facebook about a month ago. He's in a, he's in a nice suit. Ty doesn't wear suits. Ty, after he graduated, bought a, bought, a, bought a wing place that we always went to in Columbia, Missouri. He's very successful. He doesn't wear a suit to cook hot wings. What's he doing in a suit? He's standing in a suit like this. And there's two people in front of him. And one of them is in a wedding dress. I do really quick math math. And I call him. I said, dude, do you preach? He probably has the same thing of me. <laughs> and he said, he said, I'm not a practicing pastor, but I'm licensed and I'm an ordained pastor. And you know what I said? Instead of saying, wow, I said, praise God. Because there's two of us. I said, you remember that kid? Yeah. Man, we did something stupid, didn't we? Yeah, about every day. And we ran the wrong way. Yeah. But God, I'm so thankful that God gets a hold of us. And he said out of his mouth, he said one of the coolest things I've ever heard my pastor say is you don't have to be defined by your past. This lady is sitting here talking to the Son of God and she thinks, if this guy understands anything about me, just like you are, If he understands anything about me, there's no way. There's no way. It's a very bold question to ask. Look at your worship handout. Oftentimes it's this. Are you thirsty enough to ask for this water? I put water in parentheses because, or quotation marks, because I'm not talking about drinking H2O here. I'm talking about living water. See, are you thirsty enough to ask for this? My grandfather grew up during the Great Depression. For 25 cents a day, he would clean out outhouses. But he said this. He said, at a time in America when my work was at its lowest point, the church was at its highest point. He said, do you know why that is? I'm talking about something a long time ago, Grandpa. I wasn't alive. He said, the only thing that we had was God. And he said, when you get hungry enough, he goes, our nation needs to see a revival. And he said, but we won't get hungry enough because America's too fat. Not physically. We're too fat. We're too comfortable. And he says, are you thirsty enough to ask for this water? It's what Jesus, it's what the worship hand out says. Are you thirsty enough? Is God all you got? I can tell you probably not without getting emotional, how I know this is true. I reached the point in my life where God was all that I had. I didn't want to go to my family. I thought they were against me. They'll just push me back to church. It's been the smartest decision of my life to come crawling home on my knees like the story of the prodigal son and said, Dad, I'm so sorry. come to God and say, God, I'm so sorry. But when you get thirsty enough, just like that prodigal son, you know, when he got low enough, he was eating with pigs. That'll get you humble. When you get thirsty enough to ask for this water, look at verse 16. You know, before we read 16, I don't know every detail of your life. You don't know every detail of my life. I don't know every detail of your life. When will we get thirsty enough? We want the good stuff, don't we? We want the new beginning, the breaking free of our addictions and stuff. But God says, you've got to be thirsty enough. You've got to be humble enough to ask me. God knows our situations. We think, oh, God would never even want me in church with what I've done. We show a video sometimes here at church, and there's this guy, or this lady gets on here. She goes, If you've known what I've done in my life, you would not want me at church. And this guy gets on, I love this line. This guy gets on there right after her. He goes, If you've known half the stuff that I've done, you wouldn't be worried. It's not a contest of how much bad stuff you've done, but God is in the business of giving new beginnings. He understands our pain. Look how Jesus seeks to relate with this woman in verse 16. He says this talk about sharp. Go get your husband. Verse 17, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, You're right. You don't have a husband. In verse 18, he says this, for you've had five. You think Jesus understands your situation? He walks up, he just walks up to a complete stranger. He's Jesus. The Son of God. And he says, no, you're right. You're telling me the truth. That's good. You've had five, though. And you aren't even married to the one you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. 19, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. (laughs) I think her eyes dilated about this big. She sits back. Jesus just told her partial life story that fast. Oh, no, 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 you're not married now. You've had five husbands and you're not married to the one that you're living with now. In the verse nineteen, sir, you must be a prophet. She changes the way that she talks. Now, she understands this. This guy knows everything about me. How does she think of herself? Bottom of the bucket goes through her mind. Can you imagine if he if he knows any, if he knows everything about me, he's he's just going to condemn me to be killed because I'm not worth living because I'm at the bottom of the bucket. I don't need a different, another chance. I just need some people think just to be done away with. You think that she, sh- she thought about this. If he knows about my husband's situation, what else does he know about? I want to tell you something that I was told a very long time ago. We talk about these, this woman and she's being in the bottom of the bucket. Or talking about Nicodemus and he's got the credentials to be the good guy. I want to tell you this one thing. And if I, I'll repeat it so you can write it down. It says, Jesus loves us just the way we are. Jesus loves you just the way you are. But He loves you too much to leave you there. Jesus loves us wherever in the spectrum we fall. He loves us. Oh, He loves us. I could sing that song for a month straight. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. I can't understand why you love me. But Jesus loves us the way we are. But He loves us too much to leave us that way. Look at verse 20. Immediately, He shifts to this. So tell me, she does. Why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it's here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? I'm going I'm to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say this. She does not care what the answer to this question is. It's a different subject. You know, you're talking about something that's too close to home. Like this. My accountability partner will come up to me. Matt, how was your week? Do you see the Cardinals game? My accountability partner will say, hey, how was your, how was your weekend? Mary would come up to me and say, hey, have you got your water drink for today? I'd say, hey, did you see Emma clean her room? But you guys don't do that. Oftentimes when we're held accountable, when we're, when we're spoken truth to we change the subject i can't imagine she's probably thinking i got to get away with this guy let's talk about something else we do not want to deal with our stuff listen we want the we want the new beginning we want the stuff we don't want to deal with it you got any demons there's a song uh, it's called um, it's called david by noah gunderson noah gunderson david and it's a slight biblical tale, a song written about the biblical story of David and Goliath. And he says this. He says, I want to hunt like David. Preach a sermon about that. I want to hunt like David. I want to kill me a giant man. He wasn't talking about killing people. He says, because I've got lots of demons. And I need to do away with them. I've got to get away from them. I've got to do something about it. We want the big prize, but we don't want to have to do the work to get there. Jesus shows how much he cares about her because he dives right back. Now, see? This is love right here. This is my accountability partner. Matt, how are you doing in this area? You know, hey, the Cardinals, the Cardinals are going to be good this year. I really don't want to play the Cubs because the Cubs have done a lot of off-season. He goes, Will you just be quiet? Stop dancing around the question, Matt. How are you doing in this area? Well, you know, I don't really don't want to play the Cubs at home or there because they did do a lot of off-season training. He goes, Well you just shut your mouth. And listen to me. You've given me permission to speak truth to you. And when I'm trying to ask you accountability, you want to run away. And this is love. This is this person. Ask me about my accountability. I want to change the subject. And he keeps after me. Because I've given him permission to do that. Jesus does the same thing. Look at verse 21. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. He, he says this, your question is not relevant, dude. It's not relevant. Soon, it's not going to matter. I got to lead one of them. I have two guy cousins. got to lead both of them. It's just an unbelievable blessing. I got to be there when they, when they both accepted Christ. I prayed with one of them in Wayne City Baptist Church. I prayed with the other one When we were fishing in a boat in the middle of a pond. And his question to me was this I understand that I need to become a Christian, but can God hear us from here? It's not going to matter. Guess what? He has a relationship with Christ that is just as strong today as it was when he prayed in the middle of a lake. Jesus dies back in. Her argument or excuses would be null and void. I watched this, or this pun. They weren't holding any water, were they? They had holes everywhere. Verse 22. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about Him, for salvation comes to the Jews. He is not, watch, He is not getting irate or mad with them. He's saying this. Jesus is saying, I'm it. Later in the book of John, He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. That's it. That's it, no punches. That's it, it's me. Old Testament prophets proclaimed that the Messiah would be for all nations, all people. <laughs> A little bit later in this passage, she's gonna, it's going to click who she's talking to. Look at verse 23. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is Spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Got a spirit; he can be worshipped anywhere. He goes on, verse twenty-five. Then the woman said, "This can you imagine?" Verse twenty-five. The woman said, huh. "I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us." Do <laughs> you think she's ever talked to anybody like Jesus before? You think she's ever had anybody tell her that kind of truth before? No. Verse 26, Jesus says, okay, I'm tired of playing this game. I'm the Messiah that you understood about, you learned about, you heard about, you read about. Does this not click? Hello. The Messiah will explain everything and he will know everything. Hmm. Look at verse 27. Just then, oh, here we go. Just in time, right? Just then. Some, the disciples remind me of children sometimes. Now, I don't mean that negatively. I just mean they're, they just come in at the most opportune moments, don't they? That's a sarcasm. Like you're on the phone, they come in, in and they just talk. Now, just then, the disciples came back. They were shocked to find Jesus talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? See? (laughs) Why did they not have the nerve? Because Jesus had probably spoken a lot of truth to them. You stop, Peter. You stop. But nobody had the nerve. What do you want with her? Imagine it goes through their head this. Why? Why? why Why? is she more important than us? If we are in a basketball game, if this was a metaphorical basketball game, that's a foul. I'll show you something. Why? This is why. The woman that's sitting there is me and you. We all have our stuff. But right here at this point, the disciples have selective memory. Because right here, none of them had the nerve to ask it, but inside they're asking it, why is he talking to her? She is of the utmost not importance. And if we want to go back to the very beginning of the New Testament, and we want to start reading about how Jesus called these disciples, you want to talk about bottom of the bucket social outcasts. The only thing they knew was how to fish. One of the greatest books I've ever read, it says, it's called 12 Ordinary Men. And these guys were not even, the, they weren't even reputation wise up to the word ordinary. They were exceptionally unordinary, just bottom of the but Socially not there. Way low class, but they have. Now, they, now for a little while, they've been walking with Jesus. All of a sudden, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm Peter. I walk with Jesus. Yeah, I'm John. What's up, guy? Amen. I walk with Jesus. I'm they do this, okay? They, they do this arrogantly right here because they say, why are you talking to her? Jesus probably wants to just, watch this. They don't have the nerve to ask. Guess who knows what they're thinking? He's probably sitting there talking going, yeah, morons are back. He looks, There they are. Now listen, they have a temporary memory loss and it's a big deal because they say, why are you talking to her? And sometimes when we get in life and we've been in the bottom of the bucket, God has changed our life. He's moved us over here. All of a sudden, sometimes our pride gets in the way and go, man, I'm glad I was not like that. Look at verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone. First of all, when she leaves her water jar beside the well, that's the only one she had. These people are not rich. I guarantee this is quite possible. She only had one. And at that point in time, it didn't matter. Because she went back telling everyone. When a new beginning happens, when you are freed, when somebody realizes sometimes for the first time that they are truly 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 loved they want to tell everyone and and some of you are going no matt no we don't do that really example a the first time you become a grandparent true or false you have pictures with you true the first time you become a parent you have pictures with you yes now, here's the big deal. When we, sometimes for the first time, sometimes for the first time, when we want to tell every, everybody something, some of us, when we had children, rented those great big storks to put in the front yard to tell everybody that drove past us, we had a kid. She was unreal, excited. Listen, can you imagine the weight that was lifted off her? Jesus is like, I came for you. She's had five husbands. She's been confused with the word love. Jesus said, I came. Look at verse 29. Come and see a man, what she said, running through the streets. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Verse 30. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. You have a new baby, the hospitals are streamed to, are they not? Look at your worship hand out with me. This woman wanted everybody to know who she had seen. When others are quick to judge, realize that God is not concerned with our past. God seeks to give you a new start. Not much matters, but what matters, matters mighty much. Throughout the Bible, you can read this. Jesus tells His disciples, people are going to hate you. They don't hate you, they hate what you have in you, and that's me. Some of us can never get over We can never get over those things that we've done, can we? In the back of our mind, we think, oh yeah, that's gone, but it's still there. You go to, you are attending a church right now. That some people have come to me alone and said, I'm worried about my past. How can I ever fit in here? And I got to be that guy you've known half the stuff that I've done, you wouldn't be worried. See, we're all broken. We're all in that bucket. We all want to come to the well at the middle of the day so we don't have to confront anyone because a lot of people shoot those stares at us. They shoot those words at us and it hurts. Here's to new beginnings. Here's to breaking free. The second week of the new year. Second week of the new year. You've got 50 more. How good could your year be? When others are quick to judge, realize that God is not concerned with your past. He's not concerned with your past. All we want to do is, I can't do that. I still got my past. I, can't, I still can't do that because I got my past. As God says, I came, Jesus told us, I came to give you life and give it abundantly. I'm here to erase the stuff. I'm here to start you new. I'm here to start fresh. What I'm going to do in a second, I'm going to pray for us. We've done this a couple weeks in a row now. But I want, I want you to understand that there's someone, even if it's just me, that is concerned with how you're doing. I want to see God move in a way. One of my resolutions is December. By the time we get to December, I want to, I want to know more about God than I ever have in my entire life. Every month, I have a monthly New Year's resolution. I want to know more in February than I knew in January. I want to know more in March than I did in February until the end of the year. That's a goal for me. Too often, too often in my life I've stayed stagnant, so I need accountability. I need to learn more. I need to study more. I need to do stuff more. So I asked God, I said, God, I want a new start. I want a new routine. I want to put you first. I want to do this. Now, some of you are sitting there going, well, you're a pastor. That's easy. I'm a pastor and I'm human. See, God is not concerned with our past. God, I want to a new start. Some of you are sitting there with a past that you can't get over. And guess what? I've done stuff probably just like you, but I'm not defined by my past. When God looks at me, he sees this. He says, oh, how? Jesus paid for that one. I'm covered. A lot of you are sitting in a situation in your life You saying, man, I just need somebody to pray for me. There's stuff going on. There's some people in my family that are sick. Me personally, I need to move on. I need to get a new start. I need to do this. Man, I need to stand up more for my faith in my school or my job or where I go to work. I need it. I need a new start. I need a fresh start. I feel like I'm in the bottom of the bucket. It feels like nobody loves me. So I want to tell you again one more time before we leave. I wish I could just take all of you and take your face and look at you. Real quick, I'm going to look at all of you and say this. You're special. Not because I say so. Because God says so. You're special. You're special. You're special. You're special. Before you leave today, your assignment, tell two people that they're special and mean it. Want us to just bow our heads. If you're one of those people. Just want me to mention you in prayer. Say, man, I'm just struggling with some stuff. Just lift up your hand real, real quietly. I'm just gonna pray for you. Not out loud. Thank you. I see those hands. I see the hands. Thank you. God, as we end the service this morning, I just ask you this. God, first of all, I don't want to ask you anything. I just want to tell you how good you are. Thank you for the stories and the and the real things that happen in the Bible where Jesus comes to someone. He, God, that is me in Scripture. And I'm, I'm in the bottom of the bucket, and Jesus looks at me, and he looks at these people here, and he says, you're special. God, help us to remember that we're special. And there's things, there's people in, these, in this room, there's things in their life in this room that, God, they need to get a new start. They need help. They need prayer. God, they need people to walk beside them. And God, I just ask that those people just show up. God, that you send those people there. Send those people. Help us, God. Hold us accountable. To want that new start, God. To go for it. God, we love you. And as the song we've sang already today says, forever you are faithful. Your love never fails. There is no one higher. So God, today, we stand with our arms lifted towards You and our hearts towards You, God, asking for You to change us. In Your name we pray. Amen.